are now tuned in to The Daily Dose, a daily podcast produced by the Minority Cannabis Business Association, focused on trending headlines in the cannabis industry and how they will affect minority entrepreneurs who are risking it all to make the jump from the legacy market into the regulated cannabis industry. If you support an equitable cannabis industry, then you're an ally of MCBA and we want you to join the movement for a better tomorrow. Now sit back and relax. We've got your Daily Dose loading up. Special shout out to this month's sponsor of the show, Indiva Advisors. You can check them out at indivaadvisors.com. They are a leading accounting firm dedicated to the cannabis industry. They navigate complex tax, financial, and regulatory changes to make sure that your business is compliant and efficient. They focus on you so you can focus on your business. You can check them out at indivaadvisors.com. That's I-N-D-I-V-A advisors.com. Now we'll get right into today's headlines and today's Daily Dose. Well, hi, everyone. Good to see you all. Welcome back to another Daily Dose. My name is Calico Castillo, the president here at the Minority Cannabis Business Association. I'm joined, as always, by our comms manager, Precious. What up, Precious? How are you? Hey everyone, happy Thursday and welcome to another edition of the Daily Dose episode six to be exact. And as always, we're just going to hop right into it. So we're picking up an article from Marijuana Moment um, about new states coming online who are that are going to be on the ballot this November. The headline reads, these states are voting on marijuana and psychedelics legalization on their November ballots. Let me just give you a little bit. Voters in five states will decide on marijuana legalization on their November ballots, and voters in one state will have the chance to enact an historic reform to legalize psychedelic possession. As Congress continues to stall on broad drug policy reform, the wave of state-level policy changes stand to grow bigger in the midterm elections. Now, what's all notable about this year's votes is that four out of the five states deciding on cannabis legalization are traditionally conservative a testament to the increasingly bipartisan nature of marijuana reform. And in the lead up to election days, polling bodes, well, for most of the campaigns are really suggesting that we're gonna see some great turnout. So with that, I'm just gonna give you the the states that we're actually seeing um, with ballots this November. We have Arkansas that has an adult use legalization ballot there. We also have Maryland with a marijuana marijuana legalization ballot this November. We also have Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, and then we have Colorado that is looking to legalize the possession of psychedelics as well as install healing centers where psilocybin can be administered for therapeutic purposes, which I think is another game changer, another step when we think about healing and plant medicine. So with all these new states potentially coming online, what do you think that means for the broader cannabis industry conversation and even for equity, Coleco? I mean, I think this is definitely going to be a really big election. Um, I think one of the things that's really interesting and um, maybe everybody who doesn't know the nuances of sort of uh, the political sphere here is that like a lot of the legal states up to this point have passed it through state ballot initiatives, right? Here in Oregon, where I'm from or in California, a lot of these people got on the ballot because they had advocates who were doing the work to actually gather enough petition signatures uh, to be able to get it on the ballot and ultimately got the state to be able to vote to approve it. So if you're looking from Colorado on to 
pretty much within the last few years when we started seeing legislatures be willing to actually pick up this this uh this issue and start writing policies themselves uh it's been really interesting to watch what states typically liberal states up to this point who have passed it by ballot initiative but now seeing arkansas missouri north and south dakota uh all places that are traditionally conservative now still also having it on the ballot i think it just goes to show that this is you know it's a nonpartisan issue it's not even just a bipartisan issue like this is just something that people um know inherently is something that should be happening. Uh, and it's just been really slow for elected officials to come around. So I think this is a, another great example of when the people are ahead of our elected officials uh, and we actually have the ability to do direct democracy like ballot initiatives and we end up uh, getting things passed. So I'm really excited. Um, there's obviously is everything is in the cannabis industry, devil's in the details. Uh, obviously in this article, they kind of go into some of those details. First one up when I was looking at Arkansas is it doesn't permit home grow, right? So right away, that's something where, you know, you have advocates that are going to be leaning on one side and saying, well, you should never pass a legalization initiative that doesn't include home grow because it's not equitable. It, it's still going to harm people. It's not giving uh, equal access to folks. Um, whereas you're going to see other folks that have been living in Arkansas for a really long time, watching their friends and family getting locked up that says, well, listen, if I can stop the arrest, even though I don't have home grow, then I'm going to do that. Right. So I think that that's sort of the, the bargaining that we have to do in this, in this industry on a regular basis is it's a big deal to push this ball over the line from a political standpoint and the messaging standpoint, but then what are the actual details there? Uh, and how are we setting up these, um, these state industries um, for the future? So I think that it's really awesome that we're in this place. It's really great that we're seeing conservative states uh, still moving on this, especially in the South where, you know, when you think about this from the lens of cannabis prohibition being the linchpin to the war on drugs, which has been sort of the linchpin to continuing white supremacy, post sort of the civil rights era, like it's a really big deal that this is now coming to the South. And then the folks that uh, have really large black and brown populations are, are finally going to get to a place where we're able to end prohibition. But we have to set up the industry so they can actually benefit from the legality of it. Yeah, no, for sure. You hit it right on the head. I do think the devil is in the details. And in this article, which we'll also post here in the comments, is it outlines some of the different variations that each state is taking to bring on legalization via that ballot initiative. So like, it looks like Arkansas wants his ABC um, department, alcohol beverage department to regulate cannabis, which I don't think is hasn't been seen before. But then we see all the other states putting that on their Department of Health or even Department of Health and Senior Services. So those are some of the variations. Even the possession amount, how much you can have varies from state to state. Licensing, some are already enacting lotteries while some will go through a more stringent, you know, application qualifier-based sort of process. So every state has its own small, tiny details that makes it completely different. Like you mentioned, even home grow. One thing I found interesting specifically about Maryland is that this initiative doesn't necessarily set up the industry. It's like sort of the first domino. This initiative would decrim cannabis possession for folks in Maryland so that there are no longer those arrests. And then from that, will they start to look to set up another piece of legislation that would actually build out the regulatory um, industry for cannabis? So it's just so many different variations, which makes it even tough to swallow how federal legalization can come in and set like a blanket. Maybe this is how it's done. It looks like in most of the policies that come out, they've given that autonomy back to the states 
to continue to build out the industry as they see fit, which I think is going to be needed. But it's definitely interesting to see each state just kind of find its own way, its own rhythm and tempo to come in. Like even South Dakota, which is a super interesting um, state with legalization, they actually passed the ballot back, was it 2020 or um, what, the last year or so? Where, yeah, that was 2020, yeah. Yeah, and then the governor at the time kicked it back to the courts who then found it invalidated. So basically all those people who voted and said, yes, bring cannabis, they were taking the court and said, no, it doesn't. And now they're back again, putting another initiative out there, getting more specific, getting more into the legalese of um, the initiative so that they're not sent back to court. So I think like you mentioned, it's a testament to the advocacy work to even get to the space. I think this is when all advocates in those respective states have to kind of really be locked in to make sure now you're getting out the vote. Um, just like it's important to cannabis, it's just important in general policy right now. For those in the political scene, you know where the temperature of Congress will move if those do, um, if we do not get out the vote. So, and all of that will impact cannabis policy moving forward. So. I'm excited Absolutely. to see a couple states come online, but it's so fascinating how different each ballot referendum is. Yeah, for sure. I was even just looking back through this Marijuana Moment article where they're outlining sort of some of the highlights of the key provisions. And, and in Arkansas, like specifically, they say there are no provisions to expunge or seal past criminal records for marijuana or to provide specific social equity licensing opportunities for people from communities harmed by the war on drugs. Right. So it just goes to show that like it's a big deal that it's on the ballot in Arkansas. It would be a big deal if it passed. But those really go to the core of if we are legalizing it, but ultimately not fixing the issues that like were always systemic, like systemic about uh, this policy, uh, then we're not truly doing you know justice to those who have have been harmed by the war on cannabis, right? Uh, it's not enough for people to just be able to make money on it. We need to make sure that we're stopping the arrest and uh, that we're actually giving people the opportunity to get into the legal marketplace. So it's a it's a bummer to see these sort of details in this Arkansas bill specifically, but also cool that a place like Arkansas in the deep South um, is finally getting to a place to have any sort of a legalization uh, initiative on their ballot. So I do think like we'll be paying close attention uh, to these things as they come up for a vote in November. Um, and I also think that like, as you're looking forward to the next cycle, there's already places like Florida, they're getting ready for 2024, right? Like this is an ever sort of grinding process of trying to get on the ballot in different states. Uh, and the conversation is always um, changing. But I do think like one thing that would be really interesting for folks is as you're looking through this article and others talking about these ballot initiatives, compare it to our National Cannabis Equity Report, right? Go to minoritycannabis.org slash equity map, and you can see the provisions that we outline about whether they lead to an equitable or inequitable outcome. And then when you compare that to a lot of these state initiatives that are coming out, you're going to see what the outcome is long before it passes or is actually implemented, because we've already seen a lot of these things in the past. And what I keep trying to reiterate to folks as we talk with regulators and lawmakers around the country, it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's taking the lessons that we've already learned and applying them, uh, not trying to act like we're just making stuff up out of whole cloth here. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we're already seeing some of those things in the initial layout of these initiatives. Like there's even being, you know, large fees imposed for licensing off the rip to begin with. We're even seeing the additional amount in um, taxes for certain states that are looking to add another 10, 15 percent on top of the sales tax on top of 280E, which is kind of OK. They haven't really 
seeing the things we've seen of how that can really cripple, especially small and minority owned businesses. So like you mentioned all these nuances, but it leads me to a question I have for you when we really think about social equity, because we, when we did put out the report, we literally outlined what states were doing, how they were getting it right, what, how license caps affected um, equity, how real estate affected equity, how the transition from medical to adult use for those who are already operating medically can definitely be a, an advantageous start for those larger companies. But when we're talking about the South, let's just not forget the elephant in the room when it comes to, you know, just racism, when it comes to um, black and brown people, when it comes to marijuana. Um, and we're even seeing this on a national level when it comes to safe thinking. Do you think just to be able to get you know, legalization done and these provisions that are there that don't necessarily tap on equity, should that still be pushed forward or should it be scrapped all the way and say, no, unless equity is involved, then we don't want something. Cause that is a, that's a conversation. If you're going to put this bill out and there's like you saw in Arkansas, there's nothing really there that's going to begin to outline how it will support black and brown communities. Do you scrap it all? Or do you say, Hey, let's start here. And as advocates continue to pound the pavement to see what more you can get included, because that seems to be where the industry as advocates hit in the middle of, you know, what next? How do we really make sure this is building out to be fair and equitable? For sure. I mean, I think ultimately, like there's a saying in politics that all politics is local and that it's really going to be up to the folks that are living in that state, whether they want to live with a couple more years of prohibition and try again, or whether for them it's worth taking a little bit of a bite of the apple and coming back later, right? And I think that every political conversation that where you're having to have those trade-offs is a different conversation because you're make you're having different math. There's different elements that are involved in it. I think it's obviously the reason why we exist is because we think that equity should be at the center of every legalization discussion. We believe that you know black and brown communities were disproportionately targeted on purpose through. Um, marijuana prohibition and that therefore they should be targeted on purpose for the benefits of the legal marketplace. But at the same time, if you're in our Arkansas, and you're looking at the idea that, oh, I'm not going to expunge past records, but I'm not going to be in fear of driving down the street with a little bit of weed in my car, which could lead to a police interaction, which could lead to me potentially getting killed, right? Like, I think that that's another sort of, you know, nuance of that discussion. I think that one of the things that cannabis prohibition has done has really led to the evisceration of the Fourth Amendment, like the fact that there are so many um, deadly interactions between police officers and black and brown community members very much is a product of the war on drugs. Like we've used the war on drugs as a way to have an excuse to bother and fuck with black and brown folks. And so I'm a, I'm a firm believer um, that sometimes like just simply stopping the policy and being able to set up a new paradigm where you're no longer able to mess around with people simply because they smell like weed or have weed on them, that that's a much different conversation. And I think that also bleeds into the discussion we've had around Biden, right? Like it's was a monumental and I believe a tectonic shift in policy for the president of the United States to come out in favor of pardons. Now there are folks in the community who I completely understand who are saying, well, there's not many people who are in jail at the federal level for possession. Absolutely right. But the fact that the president of the United States is now calling on governors to make and take those actions and give them the political permission is a big deal. So, you know, I think it's you know, where you fall on the political spectrum depends on your own life experiences and ultimately how you're going to be affected. Right. I think, you know, as president of MCBA, 
once again, we always want to make sure that equity is at the center of every legalization conversation. Um, I think most of the time we would not be in favor of passing a bill that didn't expunge records, didn't um, have social equity provisions, and didn't make sure that black and brown communities are ultimately um, benefiting from that legalization. I think most of the time we as an organization would say we'd rather just wait till the next time around. And I think that that's even more important why for us, we'd rather not be having to have those conversations and give those trade-offs. We'd rather be at the table at the beginning of those conversations Mm -hmm. and be able to say and provide the resources like the National Cannabis Equity Report that says this is how you can write a bill the right way. We've also been working on model legislation for an update to our state model legislation, which will be coming out with hopefully at the beginning of 2023. But, you know, that's another example of like what we'd rather do is provide um, options and and resources for how to do it right, um, rather than having to make these decisions at the end. Because uh, oftentimes we're going to probably come down on the side that we can wait a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, that's tougher if, if you're actually somebody with a cannabis conviction or somebody who's uh, afraid of getting popped in the legacy market, which I totally yeah. understand. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Um, another edition of The Daily Dose. We hope you guys found this super informative. Continue to stay tapped in and locked in into what your state is doing. If you're in one of these up and coming um, ballot initiative states where it's on the um, where you'll be able to vote to have cannabis legalization happen and then. Like Cleco said, get into those 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 details. See what equity provisions are being offered to ensure that you know people of color, those really impacted by the war on drugs in that area, are going to be those at the front of the line to benefit from anything that happens um, that comes out of the industry. So. Again, continue to tap in with us. We appreciate you. Check out our website, minoritycannabis.org, for more information and um, on the events we have coming up. Just a quick roundup. Don't forget to join us um, October 27th for our networking event. Come one, come all. Come check out what um, MCBA members are doing. Or if you're a provider, you're looking to connect with more businesses, this is an opportunity for you to do so. And then we're all heading to MJ BizCon, folks. You're going, I'm going, we're all going. And I want to see you there. We want to bump shoulders, talk in person. Um, sign up for our mixer. We are having our kickoff mixer, which will be on November 15th. Um, come meet us in person. Come hang out. Come talk to like-minded folks before we dive head on into full conference um, mode with MJ BizCon. So, again, I'm Precious. Um, that's Kaliko. Kaliko, you have anything? No, I'm pumped about MJ Biz. Definitely pumped about the mixer. Make sure you guys are RSVPing. And then Precious and I will be on site also doing some interviews for the Daily Dose. We'll be taking this off the live stream and doing some additional interviews. So make sure you're reaching out to us so we can connect, sign up as a member so we can make sure that we feature you on the podcast. But thanks to everyone for for tuning in and for signing up as a member. And big ups, Precious. Appreciate you as always. See you guys tomorrow. Bye. Aloha, everyone.